Oh my god, why am I not podcasting? What's happening? Let's do this. Are you not recording? I mean, I've been recording for 15 minutes, but this isn't a podcast. Alright, let's do this. Let's uh, warm up real quick. How amazing would it be if I just said, and this isn't a podcast, and all of that previously was in it, and then it just goes into the intro music. Moshi Moshi, and welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name is John. And together we're Henry and John, back at it for our 60th episode. Holy crap, it's the 60th episode? It is the 60th episode, John. You know what that means? That means it's five dozens. Wait. Checks out, yeah, five dozen. Yeah, I've been waiting ever since I learned what a dozen is. To do 60 of something. I'm not sure that I've ever eaten a dozen. Nope. I'm not sure I've ever eaten five dozen of anything. Yeah, no, five dozen? Unless you're counting, like, something small, like, I guess, uh, what do they call those? Nerds? The candy nerds? Yeah, I've eaten, I've eaten five dozen nerds. Easy. Maybe in one handful I've eaten five dozen nerds. Yeah, like, how many individual pieces of cereal are in a bowl of cereal? Oh, a bowl? 123. Oh, so that's two five dozens. Two, t- <laughs> yes, that's that's how it's said. I uh, I've been eating this special K with protein cereal. Oh, I've been eating uh, Cheerios with protein cereal. Nice. Which one has more protein? I could go check the box. You know, we gotta get those cereal gains. Yeah, I I just you know, it's either like eat sugary cardboard or eat something that has the name of a vitamin in it. Like Cheerios? <laughs> yes. Uh, vitamin Cheerio? Vitamin Cheerio. It makes you happy when you're sad. You know, Cheerios generally make me happy, but more often than not, the honey nut kind. Is it bad that I only eat Cheerios because of what the, like they advertise it could be good for your heart? And, I, and I'm like afraid that my heart has been damaged by so many like fatty burgers that I, I feel like I have to eat it out of a weird obligation to myself. I feel like that might be exactly what they're going for. Yeah, probably. That's their marketing campaign at work. But I mean, I guess you could say anything could be good for you. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> the word could implies a lot with advertising. Yeah, it's like they even put it on the box where it's like, it shows us uh, st- in studies where people eat more whole grains that their hearts are better. But it's like, if they're eating more whole grains... Odds are they're probably healthier, like, overall. It might have nothing to do with the Cheerios. Yeah, those health markers might have nothing to do with the diet markers they're looking at. Yep, correlation does not mean causation. It's just like all those studies, and, you know, I don't eat meat, but it's all those studies that people keep citing where they're like, oh, it seems that people who eat a lot of red meat are, like, 73% more likely to die of any cause than people who don't. It's like, I think there's a bit of an issue with your numbers there. We factored in just violent murders for this study. Just people who were shot, they all ate red meat. Yeah, it's like, people who eat red meat are more likely to die in car accidents. Not necessarily true. Yeah, it just depends on how you read the data. Mm, For sure. So, John? What's up? Hey, what are we doing? 
Uh, we are putting on the show of a lifetime. Oh, good. I knew that. And, uh, you know what else we're doing? What else are we doing, John? Uh, ladies' choice. So, we have two very important things we could be talking about tonight. Uh, one of which is an interview with John Landis, and the other one is, uh, the Electronic, uh, Entertainment, uh, Expo thing. Yeah, hey, you got the name right this time. I could, uh, I could try it again and get it wrong. No, that's fine. Uh, I was just, you know, for a little bit of research, I was listening to last year's episode where we talked about E3, and, uh, you, you didn't know what it stood for. Oh, uh, it stands for the Epicenter of Eccentric Elephants. And, uh, look how much you've grown, John. You, you've really, you've really come around in a year. I mean, this podcast is all about the process of learning, and I feel like I've learned something. Well, what have you learned? Uh, what E3 stands for. Which is, oh, okay. of course, the exciting electronic entertainment. The, right. The, en- the endless... You got the it endless, right the first time, John. The endless... Okay, you progressed. Effluvium. Alright, so while John's regressing, uh, we've got two things. Uh, John Landis, which is a name I've heard of before, or E3. Uh, Which one do we want to talk about first? Uh, We can talk about E3 first, because uh, I'm pretty excited. I'm a big fan of those video games. I am also a big fan of those video games, which is why I watched uh, most, or some, of the coverage. Let me guess which ones you watched. Okay. Sony. Yes. Nintendo. Yes. Miramax. That's a... They make movies. Kleenex. <laughs> Perfect, yeah. So what did Kleenex show? Uh, they, their new top-of-the-line uh, nose tissue where it features your favorite characters uh, covered in your snot. <laughs> I thought you'd say, it features your favorite characters covered in your least favorite characters. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That that that's Sony. Sony's doing that one. It features Sherlock Holmes covered in E.T. You don't like E.T.? Not a big fan. Oh well, I'll just let my friend Steven Spielberg know. I uh, don't like his extending neck and his squatty body. So the E3, uh, you know, that's where all we've explained this last year, but it. That's where all the uh, the people who make games or the people who are associated with games gather together and they, they make their big announcements for the year so that we can sharpen our wallets in preparation to buy and consume like mindless drones. Not to be confused with the Consumer Electronics Expo, which, if I'm not mistaken, is for pornography. I am not familiar with that at all. <laughs> what? We'll talk about it later. So E3. Uh, yes. Uh, one thing I wanted to note about this year's E3, which was, it, it was a, just a marked difference from past E3s. Uh, so th- this was the first E3 that was officially open to the public. Oh. And so you might expect, hey, you know, the public, they're spending, I don't know, like uh, 80 bucks on tickets to get into these events. That They pack these theaters, these huge theaters full of people, and they're announcing these these new, exciting games. So you're, you're expecting, like, a lot of hype, right? I would imagine there'd be hype uh, oozing out of the walls. Uh, and all of the conferences that I watched, the crowd was quiet to mild at best. 
Now, you think that's maybe a social anxiety thing or, like, a dynamic thing? I don't know. Like, the, the presenters did everything, like, possible to try to get people to get riled up. But I think maybe it's just that gamers right now are in a state where it's like, we don't really trust our devs anymore. We don't trust the people making games or their words. We kind of just want to see the product speak for itself. And so it's like when when the presenter's trying to get you riled up for a game or whatever, you're just not having it anymore. And this might just be my personal experience, but I find that uh, in my life, I've noticed this uh, rapid decline in the importance of a hype cycle in video games. Because I remember, like, you know, there's a trailer for Metal Gear Solid 2, and I was excited for that for, like, three years. Yeah. Uh, it, it could be, like, just as we get older, as as the gaming demographic, the current gaming demographic gets older, it's just, like, you know, the things that that used to stick with us for a lot of time, they're, they're not sticking with us as, as long. And maybe there's also this, like, deluge of content that we enjoy, because, you know, for every huge big budget game you have that people used to rally behind because games were kind of few and far between you have things like oxygen not included and all these really great indie steam games that are coming out all over the place yeah that's one thing that that's worth noting is it's like if you were to, to, to just watch e3 you would think the amount of games that came out in a year are like you could count on one hand because the, the indie developers are not represented at all at these uh, conferences. Which is a shame because Sony was making an effort to show these indie devs a few years ago, and that seems to have fallen off. Sony this year only focused on their 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 games. Um, they didn't even do any crossovers or anything that's going to be like uh, on cross-platforms. It was all just... A new Uncharted, uh, more stuff that like I barely paid attention to, and then ending, of course, with their their standalone Spider-Man game, which actually looks really cool. Okay, so backing it up. Okay. I have not seen any of E3 this year. Gotcha. Nor shall I. Well, actually, this was... The weirdest thing is, is like, this year was actually pretty bearable, because for the most part companies just sort of let trailers play back to back without any interjection except for xbox because xbox all they did was talk Mm. all they did was talk for like 20 minutes about their new console and when they finally showed gameplay it was minecraft oh gross like you didn't even really get to see the new console in action besides forza and minecraft so it's like you don't have any games xbox why are you making this really expensive console we are introducing a new console to the market using the newest experimental AMD processor and twin graphics cards and eight DVD players. Here ba- is Stardew Valley. You're basically like, you've nailed it because all the presentation was like 4K, 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 teraflops, 4K, 10, 920p. And, you know, just, like, all this thing about how great the graphics are, and then they showed Minecraft with crossplay. You know, I don't want 4K, because I can barely read my TV as it is. And the thing is, if you don't have a 4K TV, buying something that does 4K is completely useless to you. 
Yeah, I mean, what kind of idiot would buy a 4K-capable PlayStation 4 for a 1080p TV? What kind of complete moron would do that? You bought a PlayStation Pro? Yep. Oh, well, it still upscales things, so it claims, but whatever. Upscaled. Anyway, hit me with those new games. Let's go press conference by press (laughs) conference in this E3 breakdown. Uh, E3 Breakdown, uh, EA's new game, uh, Battlefront 2, which they're claiming that all the DLC is going to be free because they got, quote, constructive criticism, unquote, on Battlefront 1, and what they mean is they got royally critically panned. Oh, so that's Star Wars Battlefront? Star Wars Battlefront 2, uh, there's going to be a campaign this time, it's going to be a complete game. Haha, <laughs> don't care, Next. Uh, all right, uh, moving on. Xbox, uh, the new Xbox One X, which n- no one's going to buy. All right, moving on. <laughs> Don't care. Next. Ubisoft uh, actually has a lot Wait, of... hold on, hold on. What's up? You mean Ubistank? Ubistank. <laughs> Ubi, 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 Ubisoft. They got a new logo now. Have you seen... Oh, what's it look like? Uh, you know how the the old logo was like a purple concentric circle spiral thing? Is this one blue? This one's black. A black concentric spiral? Yeah, and it's it's no longer, like, shaded. It's kind of more 2D. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, I guess because they don't want to be, th- you know, three-dimensional anymore with their games. hey Man, everything is all about that new design aesthetic. Strip it down, remove di- dimensions, no gradient gradients. We live in an age of minimalism, but not when it comes to Ubisoft's games, it seems. Make it black, make it white, make it flat, make it right. Remember that, uh, that Assassin's Creed black flag that everybody liked so much? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Uh, they made a multiplayer pirate game called uh, Skull and Bones, where you get to be a part of a pirate fleet. Oh, is it? Is it cool? It looks pretty okay, but we'll have to see when it releases. Is there a new Assassin's Creed coming out? There is. It's called Assassin's. Whoa! It's called Assassin's Creed Origins, and it looks like we're in Egypt this time around, and it's uh, somehow a prequel. So this is like. So how many Assassin's Creed games ago did Ubisoft shit the bed? How long has it been since Assassin's Creed 3? Assassin's Creed 3 was a while ago. Um, I want to say that was three years ago. Okay, so Ubisoft pooped the bed and we've been sitting in it ever since. Well, see, after Assassin's Creed Unity... uh, The one that was a major flop on release because, like, textures wouldn't load... And it it boasted multiplayer missions, but when you ever played multiplayer, it was so laggy and, like, you, it just didn't run. You couldn't actually play it on launch. They actually fixed it over a bunch of patches, but that's neither here or there. But after that release, they announced that they're going to take a year off uh, and try to recenter, no longer doing a game every year with two teams but using one team over two years to develop the next Assassin's Creed game, and this is it. Okay, but will this one have, like, a total garbage story, too? I think they're, you know, of course they've ditched the Desmond story. They've ditched that that overarching narrative. I'm not entirely sure what the story is going to be, because they have not teased that at all. They've only focused on the Egyptian gameplay, where you can control a hawk to tag targets... So that you know where your enemy is, but they don't know where you are. That sounds 
pretty cool. Yeah, and like enemies have levels, kind of like an MMORPG, and you can detect those levels, and you're like, oh, I should not fight those guys. I should use stealth in this place because I'm not going to be able to kill them. Real quick aside, you know what a big shame is? What's a big shame, John? Generally, the two Assassin's Creed games that get shit on the most uh, throughout time are 3 and Unity. Yeah. Uh, 3 was surprisingly competent and is totally enjoyable and interesting. And uh, Unity, post-patch, totally playable, really fun, pretty much uh, as good as Black Flag is. Yeah, unfortunately, in today's video game environment, it's all about the on-launch status. So it's like we live in a, a world where you we technically you can release something and you can keep patching it and improving it over time and it'll become pretty good. But it's like first impressions are everything in the video game business. Like, you know, I, I probably will never buy Arkham Knight on a PC just because of the the, the release uh, backlash. To be fair, though, I guess that would be an unfair expectation in the real world as well. If someone delivered something to you at first blush that was terrible and then fixed it, because you wouldn't say, oh, uh, this bakery gave me a pie made out of bugs, but they replaced it with a new one, five stars. Yeah, it's right. You know, no one's going to get five stars if there's, they had to wait for the service to be improved. That's a shame, though. Uh, also on Ubisoft's uh, radar, ha- have you he- heard of Far Cry 5? Oh, is that the one set... Uh, oh, I saw a trailer for this. This actually looked pretty cool. Yeah, it's set in America. Montana. Montana, the first Far Cry game set in the States. And uh, it, <laughs> it's like a post-apocalyptic, uh, super, like, you know, Jonestown cult has taken over the entire state of Montana to the point where there there are no police help there's no mil- you know there's no backup it's just you and a couple of your friends versus this cult uh that sounds interesting uh, the one impression i got from watching the trailer is that i really hope they don't uh they they don't miss the opportunity to make this game smart i guess i really want to see like metal gear solid 5 level AI and tactics in this for some reason. No, absolutely. And I, I like the idea of it being set in America, you know, very familiar setting for a lot of us. I just, I don't know, I worry that it might be uh, politically tone deaf. You know, it, it's aimed at the the mass consumers of video games. So I, I'm going to double down and say, like, it's going to be politically tone deaf. There's no helping it. But I mean, yeah, it's it's tough because the only video games you get that aren't totally politically tone deaf and are kind of interesting when they talk about, you know, like religion and uh, the working class and inequality, they're very few and far between. It, it's true. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people have already be, been upset over the announcement of like the main villain and like, oh, you're attacking Christianity. But it's like, this isn't Christianity. This is a cult. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, this would be like you're defending Charles Manson. This is not religion they're attacking. It's like a psychopath. Yeah, and I, I think it looks interesting, and I'm excited to uh, ride a Montana bear. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I, I actually own a few Far Cry games, but I've never played one more than like 10 minutes. So th- I'm looking forward to maybe picking this one up in a sale and like giving it a test ride. We should stream uh, all of Far Cry 3. I own it, so I think I own 3. I think that's the one I own, so we could do that. 
Nice. Let's do it. All right. Um, and I forget what else Ubisoft showed off. Probably more open world tower climbing stuff. <laughs> uh, don't care. But one thing that was I, I was super excited for was they announced a sequel to a game that came out 14 years ago, John. Oh, shit. Yeah. Wait. Wait can can do, we can we say it at the same time? Do you know it? Yeah, I do. Oh, yeah. Then, yeah, we could totally say it at the same time. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Three... Three. Two, Two, one, one Rayman Raving Rabbids. What? No. <laughs> no, John. Not no. Rayman Raving Rabbids? No, that wasn't it. That wasn't the game, John. 14 years. The Rabbids debuted in like 07. Okay, we can do it again. Okay. <laughs> Are you gonna... Okay, you... three, okay. Two, Two, one. one. Splinter Cell Pandora to... You didn't even do it with me that time. No, because I don't know what you're going to say. Okay, so it is not a sequel to Splinter Cell Pandora tomorrow? No, and sadly there were no Splinter Cell games announced. Eh, they went off the rails anyway. Okay, let's give it one more shot. Alright, one more shot. Okay, three, Three, two, two, one. Beyond Good and Evil. Beyond Good and Evil 2. That's very exciting. Only it's a prequel. What? It's happening before the the uh, before Jade's birth. So shouldn't it be called Before Good and Evil? Yeah, I, I think it should be called... Yeah, that, that would be a good name for it, but instead it's called Beyond Good and Evil 2. Uh, Beyond Good and Evil was a great, 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 great game. I really liked that you played the role of, like, a journalist who's just trying to break into places to, to get evidence of wrongdoings and then, like, publishing them. But uh, it, I don't know what they're going to do with, with this next game, because... All they've released is the fact that there's space travel involved. Uh, you're, you're in a, uh, a place called System 3, which is like a bunch of planets. And you can have a, j- a jetpack and fly around and stuff. Uh, that doesn't seem like the stuff they should be showing off, but maybe I'm crazy. Hey, you know, I I, I trust Michelle Ansel, the, uh, the, the creative director. Mr. Rayman. Who created Rayman, <laughs> but who also created Beyond Good and Evil. I trust him because he's... Like a really uh, established game developer. I'm just worried that this is going to become more open world tower climbing bullshit from Ubisoft. Uh, let's let's hope not because uh, Michel Ancel was... He's a, he's a super smart guy and what I loved most about Beyond Good and Evil was it was... It was it was so pitch perfect because you had exactly the right motivations to explore. You had exactly the right motivations to push a story forward, and all of your interactions with the world weren't just violence. Yeah, your main goal was to publish like stories that would try to to get people to wake up to the evils of the government, and uh, maybe we need a little bit of that right now, huh? And take pictures of wildlife, which we also need right now. Yeah, cons- uh, we can't get political, but of certain things that I just read about today. We should take pictures of all the wildlife, but we can. <laughs> well, they're still around. Uh, yeah. But no, I... I, I, I uh, Like, if you compare that to, like, Far Cry 3 and 4 and probably 5, it's like, ah, Beyond Good and Evil was this interesting thing where you had violence as a verb, but it wasn't your primary verb, and... Then you have Far Cry where you're like, you're just a murderous cannon with a gun. Well, and you look down at your hands at one point and you go, what have I become? What have I become? Killing thousands of people indiscriminately. Yeah. I, I'm hoping Beyond Good and Evil 2 proves to be, you know, a deviation from this this hyper-violent 
hyper gunny shooty sort of gaming culture that's that's around but we'll just have to wait and see really let's hope so yeah so ubisoft i think finished strong um i i did skip over one surprising entry which is called uh mario plus rabbits uh what mario plus rabbits i think it's like battle for mushroom kingdom are you telling me that i just got all excited about a fictitious sequel to rayman raving rabbits it's they're actually doing one i love it uh can you imagine mario characters and rabbits dressed like mario characters fighting other rabbits dressed like mario villains with arm cannons in the style of XCOM. No. That's exactly what the game is. No, I hate that. That's what it is. It's XCOM, you know, turn-based strategy with with Mario characters and rabbit characters using little arm cannons to fight each other. Why? I don't know, but it looks surprisingly fun. It's probably fun, but that just seems like an ideological mishmash. It's like you, you took everything in the intellectual property drawer and you threw it in the soup. Yeah. Hey, I'm excited. It's I'm on the excited Switch. Too. It's on the Switch, and I only have one game on the Switch right now, so it's like, yeah, please release another game on the Switch. Oh, you haven't bought the other Switch game? <sighs> What's the other Switch game? Uh, Onimusha? I don't know what that is. Oh, it's fine. It's, uh, it's a Capcom survival horror game about samurais. It's fine. Okay. Uh, so moving on, uh, Devolver. Devolver Digital, my favorite boys. Have, did you, did you get a chance to, to peep their, uh, their conference? No, but I heard it was good. Yeah, you gotta, because not only did they debut three games... Uh, one of which looks really good, uh, but they just, they went to town with their presentation, just kind of, like, satirizing the whole, like, uh, atmosphere of conferences pretty much to death. That's pretty good. Yeah. I, I feel like Devolver Digital is very unique, because it feels like they're people who shouldn't be existing in the major game space, but they kind of snuck in. Yeah, Devolver's definitely, like, they've definitely, they're sleeper hits for sure. Devolver's like, hey, uh, we published Hotline Miami, so then a lot of other people want us to publish them, we became rich, and now we're a punk living in a mansion. Yeah, they, they have a cool game coming out that, it's called Runner, and it it's just... It looks completely based on, like, the outrun kind of vibe, like the, the vaporwave kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I really like the aesthetic of that game. I'm very down with that. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, what else? Is there a Hotline Miami 3? No. Uh, Devolver. Yeah. I, I don't. I think Hotline Miami might be might be done. That's fair. Because uh, 2 was kind of, like, I didn't like 2 as much. 2 was philosophically kind of a mess. Yeah. Uh, l- let's take a... Brief pit stop in Bethesda territory. Uh, Bethesda? You know, they, you know what they announced? Bethesda, makers of Elder Scrolls Daggerfall? <laughs> uh, Bethesda, more... makers of what? Lately, they've just been Bethesda, makers of Skyrim, and also, uh, we're gonna put Skyrim on everything known to man. Wait, Bethesda, makers of... Wait, hold on. Lost Vikings. Wait, that's Blizzard shit. Shit, fuck shit. I get them so confused. Dishonored. Dishonored? At, yeah, but uh, so guess what? Uh, guess what? You can play Skyrim on now. Oh, my phone! We're, we're getting there, buddy. We are getting there. Oh, my uh, Nintendo 3DS. <laughs> you're getting warmer. My PlayStation Vita. Uh, you're getting colder. My Nintendo Switch. Yeah. So they Fun. announced they announced Skyrim for the Switch, and uh, they also announced Skyrim for VR. Oh. That's, yeah, so just keep buying Skyrim. Uh, we'll never make a new game. Keep buying Skyrim. Oh, do you want to enjoy mods 
for Skyrim? Every day. Oh, well now, thanks to us, we've got this new uh, creators club where you can spend fun credits on creative content made by us in the form of mods that you pay for. Wait, mods made by Bethesda? Yeah. So it's like everything cool about mods in that they're... They're free and democratized, except they cost money, and they're only made by the people who make the game? It's people who made the game, along with select few individuals who, working with the people that made the game, made their content. Man, that is some Brave New World shit. Yeah, no, it's like, they already tried paid mods once and it went over terribly. Why would you double down on that? Yeah, that's, I hate that. I hate that a lot. Yes, and, and it's, it's like, you, you don't even spend, like, Steam money on it. It's like, you have to buy their virtual currency and then turn that into content. It's It sounds terrible. Where am I going to get my mud crab genitals now? Uh, I don't know, but you can get, uh, like, an armored mud crab, which was, like, a joke that they made when Paid Mods was first teased. Ugh. Yep. Uh, so Bethesda failed, and they suck, and no one buy their products. All right, moving on. Oh, are they going to make wet, too? I don't know what wet is. What is that? Look up. Look it up. Look it up later. I, I will one day. I will one day. What's this other thing? Uh, Sony. Sony, my favorite. Sony did okay. Uh, all they did was show trailers and one guy came out and talked and then they continued to show trailers. It's like, it's like they watched the, uh, Microsoft conference and they were like, well, we're not going to do all that talking bullshit. Uh, my favorite thing about all the Sony press conferences I've seen over the last five years, and this is like the first year that I haven't watched an E3 at all. Yeah. Uh, what I like about Sony is for the last few years, Sony's been like, yeah, put up or shut up. Here are some games. That was it. I mean, that was basically it this year. I mean, they, they, and it's like, this was one of the weirdest things because it's like they had a full, two-story, like, auditorium, balcony and all, packed, and, like, barely anyone clapping after each trailer. Oof. Though I suppose if you don't seed it with people that you hire to clap, it's gonna sound deafeningly quiet in comparison. S since this was the first year they opened it to the public, like, officially, I, I, I just have to imagine that they had to pay off, like, press people in previous years to clap so enthusiastically. Yeah, from what I understand, they place clappers nearest to, like, microphones. Oh, uh, that would make sense. Because it, it's like, all right, we're watching this cool trailer. It's It's got these two female pro uh, protagonists. Kind of looks like Tomb Raider. Boom. It's Uncharted, a, a new Uncharted. And you get, like, mild response. So, uh, break me down a piece of what Sony showed off. They had a new Uncharted. Okay, don't care. I know. Um, I'm trying to remember. They had a lot of stuff. They had a new Final Fantasy fishing game. Uh, what? Uh, you can, and their latest, so the latest Final Fantasy to come out, I think it's like, what, 15? Sure. The one with the boy band? Yeah. Yeah, you could fish with them. Oh. All right, so that happened. Uh, remember, uh, last year we, we talked about a game called uh, Days Gone. Oh, which, what was that? That was the one with the zombies, like, moving like water. There were so many zombies, and they all kind of flowed in the same direction. Oh, yeah, with the guy trapped in, like, the uh, jump, dump yard? Dr <laughs> junkyard? Why yeah, do I yeah. keep wanting to say drug yard? The guy trapped in the drug yard. Uh, this, this time we saw a little bit more, like, a story-driven kind of segment where the guy uses zombies as a weapon by blowing up, like, this fence holding them back. And then they just stream over a camp and eat everything. It's It, it, it looks okay, but it, it also, at the same time, looks like everything is so context-sensitive. That's like, it's not going to be one of those where you can solve things in multiple different ways. 
but it's still going to look really cool. I'm uh, I'm excited for that because what I saw last year looked pretty good, and I'm a big zombie dude. Uh, we saw a little bit more of Detroit become human. We, we oh, talked about that. Yeah, man. We talked about that a little bit last uh, year too about how it. It, the scene that we saw last year was a cop analyzing all the ways a murder could have happened. Um, this year, they focused on a new character, and we learned that, in fact, these characters that you're going to be uh, following in this, this adventure are androids. So, uh, this is uh, David Cage, right? I don't know who David Cage is. Is that the guy who did Heavy Rain? He did Heavy Rain. He did... Maybe he did Beyond Two Souls? He did, yes. That this is the, These are the same people, yeah. Okay, sweet, because I like David Cage a lot, because he makes games that are dumb and have terrible dialogue, but are ridiculously ambitious. And this one seems super ambitious, because the main thing that they keep teasing is that things can happen multiple ways. You have multiple paths, multiple decisions, and it's like you make the decision, and then you have to live with the consequences. There, there's not... You, it, it doesn't seem like you can go back and, and make a... An, an, like, you just kind of have to live out the story the way you choose. And I mean, Heavy Rain had some of that beyond Two Souls had, well, kind of none of that, I guess. Yeah, but uh, it looks like it's going to be multiple perspectives because this time we we followed the perspective of like an android uh, liberation terrorist guy. Oh. I say terrorist just because in one of the options you can go full destruction and like completely just, uh, what's the word, riot? outside of a store that sells androids and you're trying to like free your people and your people are androids as someone who loves both blade runner and david cage i am on board yeah it looked really interesting and you know going into it blind not knowing that they're these people are androids it was kind of like whoa that's a cool thing it's a cool kind of like territory to be exploring at this time yeah especially with like artificial intelligence and the zeitgeist and in everyday conversation. Yeah. And like, you know, we're only like, you know, a couple of decades away from like, you know, robots. I mean, I'm thinking about getting an artificial hip, so we're already there, baby. <laughs> uh, and uh, and Sony wrapped up their presentation. There are some other things that I can't remember, but they wrapped up with uh, Insomnia's Spider-Man game. Oh, which wait. Shut up. Insomnia? Insomnia. What? I, that's why the Spider-Man game, I think will convince me to buy a PS4 of some capacity. Because Insomnia made uh, Infamous, right? Or is that... Yeah, right? Yeah, they, they made... Inf yes, Infamous, the, the game where you are a, uh electric-based superhero. Yeah, I loved Infamous so much. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's them, and they're just making their own, like... It's not going to be tied to a movie. It's, it, it's this... They wanted to do a Spider-Man game, and so they're doing one. Just like a complete standalone, huh? Yeah, and it, it's, you know, Spider-Man 2 on, like, the GameCube was one of the best licensed games I've ever played. And it's like, I, I, that web-slinging, just give me open-world web-slinging, and we can call it a day. I will buy a PS4 in that game, and that's all I'll do for the rest of my life. I feel like that Spider-Man 2 game that came out, and I forget who developed it, but that game was, um, ugly, and kind of broken, and had a lot of problems, but it is still one of the most famous and revered video games of all time, just because of how satisfying that single mechanic was. It, you want to know the sad part? 
Mm-hmm. It was Activision. Oh, it was Activision? It was Activision handled that, that licensed Spider-Man game for Spider-Man 2. But then, like, all the other Spider-Man games after that were like, yeah, we're gonna be that good again. Nope. No, they never were. And so it's like, hopefully this, you know, I haven't seen in the open world footage. I've only seen footage of, like, a contained event. But the movement, it, it's like, take the Batman combat, you know, the Arkham game combat... And put it on a character where it makes sense that they can sense danger coming. And then just throw in a bunch of acrobatics. I am very okay with that. And I hope they keep all the, uh, oh god, that Spider-Man 2 game was so good. Man, yeah. there, were, there was like a power where you could like torpedo a guy from the top of the Empire State Building. Yeah, no, I, we've seen a lot of web-based stuff, which is cool, because... A lot, that Spider-Man 2 game was ma- ma- mainly just punching. Insomniac, just... just- just rip off the old game. Just make that again. I, I think they. I think they plan on it. Um, but that's how they ended that uh, that conference. So a lot of people were kind of mad that hey, where's the Last of Us two? Or hey, where's uh, the uh, this other game that we were looking forward to? And it's you just mean, like whoops. You mean you mean God of War? Oh, God of War was there. Yeah, I I didn't pay atten- as much attention because I've never played a game in that series. I played God of War one. And that was about it. But the trailer for God of War 4 looked neat. Yeah, he's straddled with this kid who's his son or whatever. And they're in a different land with, like, Norse gods, I think. But not really. Who knows? I just thought it was cool up until the point where it became God of War again. Yeah. Oh, also there was a... uh, Some company has remade Shadow of Colossus with better graphics. Cool. Yeah. So, like, where was uh, was Last of Us 2? It wasn't there. They didn't show anything for it. Wait, you mean the conference didn't end... They didn't roll credits and then have a Last of Us 2 stinger? No, it just ended. Horseshit. Yeah. And that brings us to today with Nintendo. Oh, more like Nintendo. Don't don't care. Oh, you don't care? No, I absolutely care. Oh. I very badly want to buy a Switch or a 3DS. I'd settle for a Switch, but here we go. Uh, Super Mario Odyssey looks awesome. That's a T-Rex, right? Yeah. You watched the trailer? I watched the first 15 seconds of it. Yeah, that's a... So part of this game is you've got this hat, which is a ghost. Ghost hat? And uh, what you can do is you can throw that hat at at things and possess them. Nice. So you can possess a T-Rex. So wait, you can possess multiple things and they become Mario's? Uh, Mario becomes the thing. So did... Wait, hold on. Mario became that T-Rex. Most important thing. What's if up? I throw a ghost hat at a T-Rex... Yes. And I I hit A three times, will that T-Rex go... Oh, I have no idea how that... I don't. I have no idea how it's going to work. Oh, would it be but, like... Oh, oh, you will become a T-Rex, though. I mean, if I choose what to throw it at, there's no guarantee I'll become a T-Rex. No, I'm just saying, like, you have the, you have the ability to, to become enemies, to become objects, to become other people. It's... The world is your hat-based oyster, and that's the one that's set in New Donk City, right? Uh, that is one of the one of the places you can go. Yes, what an incredible name! And uh, the cool thing about this is it plays a little bit more like the old Banjo Kazooie game, in which you don't select like levels or courses to go to. You go to a level. It's all kind of open world in that level. You get what you, you know, like. You get like a power moon, which is the star of this game, and then the level keeps going. It's not like oh, you got it. Go back to the start. It's a complete exploration, find all the things, do all the activities, and then, like, it's just, like, it's it's more exploration than it is 
set pieces. That sounds very cool. And uh, I mean, if if you put the trifecta together of Mario and Rabbids featuring XCOM, whatever, and this, and then Super Mario Run, it seems like Nintendo's taking some pretty interesting bets on that franchise, which they haven't ever done before. I feel like they've finally woken up and realized we can't keep doing the same things over and over again. So we're going to, at least with Mario, start experimenting with what we're allowing our IP to kind of be involved with. There was uh, an analogy that I heard someone say one time, and I forget who said it, but uh, the most interesting thing that Mario did was every few years a Mario Party would come out, and then every few years he'd have a sports game, so he was just like a a guy who did the same job every day, but he liked to play (laughs) racquetball and sometimes he went to a party. Yeah, that's pretty pretty on, on the nose, but now he's got a hat. That's a ghost that he can use to possess people. Look, take any 9 to 5 worker, give him a ghost hat, instant life of the party. I agree. Uh, some other announcements. Uh, we've got, I don't know, just uh, a sequel to a, a game series that hasn't had a game series and uh, a new game in 10 years. Wait, a Nintendo thing? A Nintendo thing. That's uh, a Nintendo IP that's hasn't had a sequel in 10 years, getting a sequel. Okay, so we're going to say it at the same time. All right. Okay. Three, Three, two, two one. one. Pikmin. Metroid Prime. Shit, it's not Pikmin? No, Pikmin got a game uh, on the Wii U. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Also, fuck what? Metroid Prime? Metroid Prime 4. I... Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to say this with a really long pause. Okay. To show you how much I mean what I'm going to say. I... Love Metroid Prime. <laughs> uh, all they did was throw up the number four on a screen, and then they played the music, and then just to really confirm it, they put the words Metroid Prime next to that four, and then it faded to black. And then they put a Metroid on it. No, they didn't put a Metroid on it. So that's a pretty weak showing from a trailer. It's not a trailer, it's just an announcement that, hey, we've heard you, we're making Metroid Prime 4. But did it have, like, a team who's making it? Is it still uh, retro or whatever they're called? It didn't have a team on it, but I hope to God it's retro. Because retro did a damn good job making three of those things. A phenomenal job. God, yeah. I love Metroid Prime so much. Oh, I played the I played the first one, and then I didn't play any of the others because I played Metroid Prime 2 for a second. I didn't like the, like the shadow mechanic or whatever. Gotcha. Then that Metroid Prime collection came out on the Wii, played all of those things through like three times each. It's a good series, and now hopefully they have another solid addition to that lineup. Ugh, and I hate people who are like, eh, Metroid Prime, it's not Metroid, shut up, it's still good. And just in case you were like, oh man, it's not Metroid, I want a 2D Metroid, they're making one of those too for the 3DS. Uh, is it gonna be as good as Zero Mission? It's going to be a remake of the original Game Boy Color game, Metroid 2 Return of Samus. Oh, that's a good one, too. Yeah, they're remaking it in glorious 2.5D. Oh, well, I mean, that's what everything is now. Yeah. Wait, if it's on a 3DS, it has to be 3D, though. Like, by definition. 
I, I know, that's why it's like I'm kind of averaging them a little bit, but not really because I don't know how to do math. No, you you got it. If you average 2D and 3D, you get to 2.5D. Oh, that's right, because that, equal, that would be 5D divided by 2. Yeah, 2.5D. <laughs> Man, this 5D Metroid game coming out? Really weird. It rips a hole in time. And then and then a Metroid comes out and eats you. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really... It's really uh, what we call next-gen. I mean, look, you take the good, you take the bad, you take the rest, and then you have Samus. Uh, so, yeah, and then other, uh, on other, uh, in other news on the Switch, you got a new Kirby game, you got a new Yoshi game, you got Fire Emblem Warriors made by uh, the people who make Dynasty Warriors. Oh, bored next. And, um, hold on, uh, that's it for their announcements, but they also, you know, they got ARMS coming out. They got squid billies. <laughs> Wait, what? What's it called? Sk- Splatoon. Splatoon. Oh, squ- squirt Squad. Squirt Squad, yeah. Squid billies. And uh, have you seen their game, Arms? Yeah, it looks really... Uh, can I be <laughs> frank with you, Henry? You could be frank with me, John. It looks like a fucking mess. Yeah, it does. Oh, they also briefly announced, with no details... That they're making a main, uh, a mainline Pokemon game for the Switch. Oh, what? A main, a mainline Pokemon game for the Switch. Oh, I mean, I guess that makes sense because they're not going to have handhelds going forward. Well, they keep saying that the, that the 3DS is is still very much alive for some reason. So we'll see what happens. But if they're making a, a Pokemon game for the Switch, that that signals to me that the 3DS days are numbered. Yeah, that's a death knell for the 3DS. Yeah, and that, that about wraps up E3 for the most part. So do you think that this new 2DS XL is going to be like a GBA Micro in that it comes out right when it dies? I think that's exactly what that is. Shame. Yeah, I don't I don't think that should dissuade anybody from buying one because they still are releasing at least two more games that I know of for the 3DS. Um, so it, it's... But then the backlog is still huge, and it's going to be discounted soon if the if it really does die. Yeah, that's what I'm waiting for to pick over that sweet 3ds corpse. Yeah, and there's a good like it's had a long kind of life, so there's a good catalog of games to pick from. And uh, yeah, <laughs> mainline Pokemon game, very exciting. First time on a console, I guess. Yeah, other than like Pokemon, no that. All of the uh, console games have been spinoffs, so this would be a first. And, uh, I don't know. Here's a real quick thought. What's up, John? Can we make a petition to, like, defund the people who make Dynasty Warriors games? I don't know. Because I've only ever played one, which was Hyrule Warriors, and it was kind of okay. And I'm a big fan of Fire Emblem, so I'm probably going to pick that up. So I'm probably not the right person to talk to about that. It just seems like they keep swooping in to series that I love, and they keep making games that are thoroughly unexceptional and exactly the same thing. I mean, you're right, because it's it's literally, they always make the same game, but they put in different mechanics. Like, this one's going to have the weapon triangle in it, and you can switch characters mid-battle. Hey, uh, what if you, like, really liked... Uh, a, a manga and anime called Berserk and a new game for it hadn't come out in like 10 years and then they said they were making one and then it was just a fucking Dynasty Warriors game or what if there was like a like a Dragon Warrior game that was coming on the PS4 and that was just a fucking Dynasty Warriors game Oh, or what if there was a, there was like a Gundam game that was being released in English and I looked re- oh it's just another fucking Dynasty Warriors game it's fucking sweet fucking sweet fucking get these people new jobs come on retrain them <laughs> 
Uh, John? What's up? Vote with your dollar and, and back the series that you like, and maybe they'll make more games for it. Yeah, maybe they'll make more fucking Dynasty Warriors games for it. Oh man, you just don't like fan service. I don't! I want good things based in good things. That's a shame, uh, because they're making a Berserk uh, Tetris. Oh, good. It's it's Behillet Tetris. Great. Yeah, you know. It's gonna be uh, guts is the, uh, the the straight the straight block. Every time you uh, every time you remove a band, it's a band of the hawk. There you go. So yeah, that's E three for the most part. And man, uh, I get really mad for a second. Like I'm actually mad. Oops. <laughs> You're okay, John. John. Anyway, anyway, I'm just gonna wrap this up. This E three talk up. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, you know, it's exciting. I I think. There's some really cool things to observe. I think maybe this quiet crowd thing is, like, indicative of gamers on a large scale, where it's like, we're tired of having the wool pulled over our, our eyes, and we just want you to be straight with us. And uh, maybe maybe devs and companies are going to start listening to that and be more like Devolver Digital and kind of, like, have some fun with it rather than just treating us like walking like money wallets it would it would just be very cool if they made more of an effort to you know give us quality things and not just flash yeah it would be really cool if companies didn't release games that had a five-year development cycle where most of the content for the game was actually made in the last year and then slapped a mass effect title on it and call it a complete game that would be cool and, you know, it would be cool if you didn't then hype up your new IP called Anthem, which is just, shut up, Bioware, go away. Oh, did uh, did Blizzard release any new games? They're making Diablo 4? No, Diablo 4 will never happen. Diablo is dead. Yeah, I killed him. Yep. But, uh, so yeah, let's just end E3 with a good job to all the people who presented, except for Bioware, you suck. Yeah. F you, Bioware. Wait, they make a new uh, Mass Effect? No, they made a new IP called Anthem, which looks really cool, but they shafted Mass Effect 4. They're making a new... I mean, Mass Effect's finished. Mass Effect 3 total finished. Uh, Storyline's over. But they made a fourth game that maybe they shouldn't have made. Shh. Oh, are they making a new uh, Planescape Torment? I don't know what that is. They're making a new uh, Icewind Dale? They're making a new Jade Empire. Yes! Oh, I'm I've kidding. waited so long. I'm kidding. It's oh my not... god, Jade Empire. You know, you can play that on your phone now. That's interesting. You can play that and Knights of the Old Republic. You can get it for free on Origin. What? Da-da-da-da-da. Anyway, enough video game talk. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting mad at Bioware. Look at, just, just think about the videos that make you happy. Like Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, you got me there. See, you can't be mad at Pokemon. <laughs> well, it's something they keep releasing the same game over and over again. Uh, let's transition, John. I'm tired of talking about video games. Let's talk about uh, uh, books. Let's talk about movies. Let's talk about anything that you, anything else. Let's talk. Do you, do you want to talk about how frustrating movies are because they release things that we don't want? Yes, let's do that. Let's do that all day. So there is a uh, there's an interview. On entertainment.ie that I would highly recommend people read. Okay. Uh, I've, I've never been to entertainment.ie before, but they seem like a, a pretty smart project. And they have this extremely long interview with John Landis, who made, uh, among other things, uh, An American Werewolf in London. Oh, I'm familiar with that one. And uh, he made comedies. He directed uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller. The music video? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
he he's a very talented person. There's this very long kind of rambling interview with him, and uh, he talks very candidly about how he feels about uh, the current situation in movies. How's he feel, John? So they were talking specifically about the mummy, and he has a particular affinity for what's called the dark universe. What is the dark universe? Is that where all the monsters come from? Pretty much the dark universe is Frankenstein, Dracula, the mummy. All the classic movie monsters. Yeah, all the classic movie monsters. And uh, they created a new mummy movie with... uh, Tom Cruise in it. Yes, I'm aware. It flopped this past weekend. And uh, they were asking him about it. And one of the things he said that stuck out to me uh, that I think that we can talk about a little bit, and I'm going to quote kind of a huge block of text, so get ready. I am buckled in. But uh, begin quote of John Landis. Uh, What's happening is the studios now will make a film for $150-200 million, but they're afraid to take risks. You asked me about the dark universe. If you're gonna make a movie of the mummy, if you're gonna make a movie of the mummy, why the fuck do you need Tom Cruise and Russell Crowe? As soon as you announce that Tom Cruise is in the mummy, you know you're not going to see a horror picture. It's gonna be the mu- it's not gonna be the mummy. It's going to be the Tom Cruise show. <laughs> what no one understands: ideas are a dime a dozen. An idea has no real value. It's all about the execution of an idea. The best film in two years is probably Moonlight. I thought that was fucking brilliant. It didn't need a big budget. It was an independent. They were working with less money, but it didn't need it. You look at a studio, Moonlight, with all its acclaim, what's it going to make? $25 million to $30 million? They're not in that business. What's happened? And it's complicated. It has to do with all the studios are now part of huge conglomerates. They're multinational corporate entities. They take less and less risk. In retrospect, I realize how lucky I am to have worked in the 70s and 80s when studios were still run by individuals like Charlie Bluthorn. That's the full quote? That's uh, that's the full quote. That's the one that struck me the most because it's extremely accurate. Yeah, no, I, studios don't take risks. And they, they, they love remaking things or, or rebooting things because they know if they have a built-in audience, there's there's less inherent risk there anyway. And they just keep making these star-bloated, horribly written, somewhat decently filmed flops. And they never learn their lesson because they make up, they make up all of the lost money internationally. And that's the... The thing that he brings up that I guess I didn't think about a lot before is how he talks about that if you announce that you've cast Tom Cruise for a movie, you can't have a movie with meaningful ideas because you can only treat actors of that caliber a certain way in your movies. You can't do daring or interesting things because let's say, uh, give me a classic movie franchise. I will give you the Herbie series. Okay, so let's say that I'm making a new Herbie movie starring Chris Pratt. It's going to be a Chris Pratt movie. It's all going to be Chris Pratt. He's going to be in almost every scene. All the marketing is going to be focused around him. We're going to put out huge spreads in men's fitness about the workout he did to get in shape for Herbie. It's it's going to be a mess because it's just going to be a series of meaningless Instagram posts, whereas in the 70s and 80s and in the 60s when movies were being made, you could cast stars in them, but those stars weren't guaranteed to be the thrust of the movie. Yeah, no, you would think the main centerpiece in a Herbie movie would be the car. I mean, look at An American Werewolf in London. That movie didn't have huge, massive, incredible stars in it, but it did very interesting things. It's a classic, and it's extremely well-revered for the last 40 years. Yeah, I, I feel like the marketing has really brought the movie industry down, because it's it's like, you can't not announce who's in your movie, because you want to get the most people in the seats as possible, 
and people are really loyal to their actors. So it's like, okay, we can we can not announce that Kevin Spacey's in this movie, but if people know that Kevin Spacey's in the movie, that increases the likelihood that they're going to go see it. So we're going to have to announce Kevin Spacey's in the movie. And the the thing. Another thing he brings up that I guess I don't think about is we always attach these multiple dozens or hundreds of millions of dollar price tags to projects. Yeah. And he talks about Get Out. That's a movie I haven't seen yet, but I I assume the budget on that wasn't, like, extraordinary. So what he says is one of the things that people don't understand is the cost of motion pictures hasn't risen that much. Because of new technology, the irony is that it's easier and less expensive. However, getting a movie in a movie theater into cinemas has become extremely difficult and very expensive. For instance, Animal House cost, with studio overhead at 25%, $2.3 million. Now that picture would have cost 9 or $10 million, so it's not the cost of the movie. What has changed dramatically is to promote the market... Promote and market Animal House. They probably spent $1 million. Now, you can't open a movie nationally, let alone internationally, because of piracy. But the marketing costs are now gigantic. If Animal House was made now and cost $9 million, I'll give you a better example. Have you seen Get Out? The interviewer says, I did, and I loved it. And then John Landis says, great movie that cost a little under $5 million to shoot. Do you know how much they spent to open it? $38 million. Damn. Yeah. Just on marketing and, like, getting it distributed. Just on marketing and getting it into cinemas. It's it, it's incredibly expensive now because there's so much marketing tied into it. Do you release your movie in 2D? Do you release your movie in 2D and 3D? Are you in IMAX? Do you have special 3D glasses? Are there special cups you can buy when you go to see the movie at certain movie theaters? What's the merchandise like? How many posters are there? Are there limited edition posters who manages your instagram feed who manages your twitter account what gifts are you putting on facebook chat yeah yeah it's it's just everything's rolled into the marketing that it's like they made the movie for five million but then if you want people to see it you have to spend eight times as much yeah you have to spend a phenomenal amount of money to get a movie out there because we expect movies to have that kind of marketing thrust behind them and and that's why you keep seeing reboots and remakes it's because if you already have an audience that's a little bit less you have to spend on the marketing because people already know they're already familiar with these characters attach a big star to it you're already familiar with that star. That's less marketing. That's more people in the seats. It's it's like, no wonder Hollywood is is just remaking the same things and they get and attached to the same stars. It's because that's half of the marketing done for them and they haven't even shot the piece yet. So is it a problem with our expectations or is it just studios, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses, trying to match the marketing of similar efforts? If a movie came out that didn't have such a tremendous marketing push, could it succeed? Well, I think it depends on your turn succeed. Do you mean success to be turn a profit or can success just be it found its audience? I mean, you have to say, like, if I'm a studio and I'm a conglomerate and I'm a business, I'm trying to make the best investments. Does it make sense for me to say I'm going to spend five million dollars to shoot this movie with no notable actors in it, but I have to make a risk worth marketing it for fifty five million dollars? I think at that point you're hoping the film becomes critically acclaimed so that people will go see it kind of like get out. Mm -hmm. Or it becomes a piece that opens up discussion so that when people are talking about it, it says something culturally or something 
on a deeper level that causes people to go see it, not because they're expecting to be entertained, but because they want to be part of a, a, a political discussion. And maybe we should be going more in the direction of production houses like uh, distribution houses like A24, who, you know, brought us uh, The Lobster and Under the Skin and Swiss Army Man and all these really great movies that have come out in the past few years that make a lot of money and they make a lot of noise, but they're not blockbusters. Yeah, no, I would whole, wholeheartedly get behind more stu- uh, distribution centers that... We'll take a risk on something that's a little more out there, like Swiss Army Man or The Lobster, just because, like, you don't see a lot of magic realism in in film these days. It's just fantasy or it's sci-fi or it's comic book. But you don't see, like, the normal interacting with the strange, which is, that's our life on a daily basis. And I think that I think that's what makes A24 so powerful is they're so small and they pick their projects very very carefully. Yeah, and, and they go to show that hey, you know, like, you know, Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe, okay, Daniel Radcliffe has some clout, but it's like that's the only two real actors in that entire movie and it's, it's they're just they're not really relying on the star power then. It's just like, hey, we just want to distribute or show this this weird tale that we want to tell. Yeah, you know, they, they shop around, they go to film festivals, they talk to people that they think are uniquely talented individuals, and since A24 is so small, from what I understand, they just get together and talk about whether they should do it or not. They talk about it as people, not as, you know, trying to make an investment. That's really awesome, and, you know, we need more of that. We need more of this uplifting of these weird films, or just off off-the-beaten-path films, because if we don't have those films, all we have is the next Transformers movie. Yeah, and when all the movies coming out are just The Mummy, where have we gone? We have an advanced art. I feel like when a movie flops as hard as The Mummy, it's like, that needs to be a wake-up call. And But the thing is, studios have had so many wake-up calls, they just, they don't learn. Yeah, I feel like every once in a while a studio will just get kicked in the teeth and they don't change anything. Yeah, instead they sometimes they try to spin weird like political stories to make it a weird, oh, this it's now sexist to to hate on this film, so you got to like it, you got to go see it, and it's just like, what are you doing? Just let the film stand on its own merits. And then of course the uh, the nightmare scenario is you have big studios trying to make big nonsense movies and then they like pretend to be cult- Culturally and socially aware, like the new Transformers movie. Oh yeah, with the the hit like a girl, yeah, or whatever. Maybe the most like tone deaf thing I've ever seen. It's a facsimile of what you know, like something like Wonder Woman is doing. It's like it's an it's an imitation. It doesn't belong here. Yeah, whereas Wonder Woman is a simulation. Transformers, whatever the fuck, is a simulacra. Simulacrum. Yeah, yeah it's. <laughs> Wonder Woman didn't put that, its its campaign wasn't centered around girl power or anything. It was just like, the film speaks for itself. Whereas Transformers, which I don't think is about girl power, has a trailer directly related to girl power. 
It's like, what's the message you want me to take away? Yeah, and, you know, if you have something that's as kind of virulently kind of meat-headed and misogynistic as Transformers, and you have a trailer like that, it's like, oh, cool, you're like a wolf in woke clothing. Yeah, you're like a... You're, you're, you're the guy screaming from the top of the building, I'm not a misogynist. I'm not a misogynist. Please, please believe me. Please believe me and give me money. Yeah, at the same time, I'm commercializing your plight. Uh, please... Ignore that part and just focus on how not misogynistic I am. Because that's the real meaningful concern we have to start having is people starting because you know we we're living right now in a in a groundswell of uh, of social rights activism of of social justice. And a lot of people who weren't as interested or as involved years ago are now becoming interested and involved. And we have to be very aware of people using that to make money. Because when you start using uh, social justice to make money without enacting social justice, then you are worse than the people who are actively undermining that social justice. Yeah. If you're profiting off real issues and you're just doing it to, to make a quick buck on an audience or a demographic that you can win to your side, you're probably just as bad as the people who are, like, making the issues in the first place. Yeah, you are equally trivializing something important, except when you actively trivialize something that's important by pretending to be aligned with that thing, you run the risk of uh, kind of annealing people from their original standpoint because there might be some people who say, oh, Transformers 8 is is pro, is pro lady, so I'm going to be pro that, and then they just become an advertising tool for people who don't care about what the problem was originally. Yeah, I mean, I think if, if there's a real problem with Hollywood, it's with the marketing, because the marketing tends to dictate what movies get made. I think something that we have discovered during this podcast is that a real problem with the earth is the marketing. Yeah, I feel like I feel like capitalism because that's the root of the marketing is just the profit motive. I feel like that's a huge problem and I feel like it's going to continue to be a huge problem and I'm not saying that I know how to fix it. I'm just saying it needs to be fixed. Profit at all costs, Henry, even ourselves. We're we're selling this planet out from under us. We're, we're selling it to pollution and into a, a, a rapidly warming climate. And it's just like all for the... I've seen this comic and I, I, you've probably seen it too. Where it's like a businessman sitting with two like people and they're surrounded by like a post-apocalyptic landscape. And it said, yeah, we may have destroyed the world. But for one beautiful moment, we had the greatest return for our our shareholders. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's accurate. It's oh boy, like, I don't know. Let's watch the world burn. But while we do that, can we can we just make some good movies? Yeah, I would like to, as the world burns behind me, to watch a good movie. It's it's like a yeah. I posted this on our page where it was like millennials or or you know rejecting Hollywood or whatever. And I put, I commented, it's like, oh, I've got an idea how to save the failing movie industry. Why don't you make good movies? What happened to making good movies? I uh, I think that uh, people say that millennials are destroying Applebee's and a lot of chain restaurants. That's the same reason we're destroying everything, because they keep feeding us garbage. And if you keep feeding us garbage, we're not like your blind consumers of yesteryear. We're going to reject that garbage and, you know... We're going to talk about how we reject that garbage. 
fuck you. Yeah, fuck you, garbage feeders. Yeah, you know? It's just like, oh, we can monetize this garbage because we get a lot of it. It's just like, no, you burn your garbage and give us new... And improved content. Well, don't burn your garbage. Recycle your garbage. Oh, well, I just meant don't give it to me. Don't give it to me. Burn it. And when I say burn it, I mean reuse it. Yeah, reuse it as fire for warmth. For heat. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're oh. <laughs> Look, I'm recycling my my glass. Glass? No. I'm recycling my Coke bottles by burning them so I can warm myself. That's recycling. Hey, and then you eat the ash, because we're not giving you our food, we made it ourselves. I, uh, I think that, not to get too far ahead of myself, but I feel like we, we skirt the issue sometimes on this podcast where we very nearly start to incite a communist revolution. Yeah, that probably happened. So we, we might wanna, we might wanna nip this in the bud. I'm not saying communism is the answer, I'm just saying capitalism isn't the answer. I'm not saying communism is the answer, but I am saying it is an answer. Yeah. And so is socialism. So is another system. It's been hundreds of years. Not hundreds. It's been decades of years. Aren't economics, economists, have they come up with something new? They've come up with a lot of answers to the the problem of capitalism. But the problem is, Henry... What's the problem, Joe? There's no way of telling what answer is right. The story you make is the story you live with. Detroit become human. So you watched the trailer? No. No, because that, that sounded like it was out of it. But nice full circle there. Yeah, you just listened to the most in-depth Detroit Become Human alternate reality game podcast of podcast cast ever. Yes, you did. We're doubling down on that. And uh I I think I think that might be it. Yeah, I feel like we jam-packed this episode with some uh, some spicy content there and I you know, sparks flew, some people got heated, but I think at the end of the day we do this for you, dear listener, and we hope you enjoyed it. I think it was uh, it was a really complete podcast because both of us were made happy, both of us were made very mad for a second, and then we ended on inciting revolt. You know, I feel like they they say always leave your 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 people wanting more, and I hope that we have left our listeners wanting more change. Yeah, get that change, no matter what you have to do. Maybe not violent. No, don't do... Learn from Beyond Good and Evil. Your verb doesn't have to be violence. You can take pictures. It's true. And I feel like today's theme is uh, definitely... uh, John? Oh, uh, our theme, obviously... Henry, I'm amazed you didn't... You didn't say this theme because it's so easy. Oh, yeah. I just I just wanted to, to give it to you because I know you really enjoy this part of our podcast where we reveal the theme. So, I was, uh, you know, John, go ahead. Our theme is, of course, production. Because all of the things that we're talking about were produced by, by viewers like you. And uh, the people we talked about are video game producers and developers. John Landis was talking about producers. The Mummy is a movie that was produced. These are all true. And uh, I feel like we came full circle multiple times, but in black and white and two-dimensional. That That's that's the way we do it here at Zero Credit Studios. And from all of us here at Zero Credit Studios, we'd like to wish you 
a happy social media plug session. Yes, and to kick off that social media plug session, if you would like to talk to us about your favorite game from E3 that I didn't watch, yeah, just send me a trailer. Show me a picture of a T-Rex. I don't care. Send me send me anything at zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com forgot where we were hosted and you can send us a tweet if you're a brand or a production company and you take umbrage with this episode at zcpcwhj on twitter.com which of course stands for henry that stands for zoinks you mean to tell me you seriously didn't have the fucking thing pulled up? Of course I didn't! What do you want from me? You've gotta have it pulled up every episode! I was lazy! Hold on! Okay, god damn it! Jesus Christ, John. Get off my back. Look. Had a long day. You had one my, job. My car died. Y- you want You want? You want me to be happy? My you car was be... in the shop. You, th- you see me complain, my car had to be all the way in a shop. Oh, my car, I own one. <laughs> Alright, that stands for Zoomy Cube Pumpkin Comfort Webpage Hackbutt Joke. Oh, I, I love a good comfort webpage and a hackbutt joke. Me too, they're my favorite. And if you want to watch us stream all of Borderlands 2 at some point, and maybe Far Cry 3, like we talked about in this episode, or you want to watch me wordlessly stream Diablo 3, you can follow us on twitch.tv slash zero credits. You cannot subscribe because we are not partners. If you want to tell someone to make us partner, do it. All you gotta do is tell, you know, 100 friends to keep watching and we'll be there. Yeah, just invite your 100 friends. And also, I just discovered that I had a microphone for my PS4, so maybe you can watch me play PS4. That's cool. I would enjoy that. And you can find us on Facebook. Search for Zero Crits Podcast on the Facebook, 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 Facebook search bar. That's a little uh, thing that I like to do. Yeah, you've done it every episode, and I never questioned it until now. And we are the first result, and I think that does it for our social media. Like, comment, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review. It is seriously the best way to get people to listen to this podcast. Like, okay, if you're like a close friend to it, just like do that. Just, just leave all, please, just do it. Sounds good to me. And we're looking into getting onto Stitcher. Yeah, we're gonna look into it. We, we you know, we promised it two episodes ago, but uh, we really, we're gonna do the research, see if it's a good thing for us. And if it is, we'll be on there. And if it's not, we'll burn it to the ground. A decision this big takes at least three weeks. Everyone knows that. Look at the Constitution. The Constitution took three weeks. Everyone knows that. Look at Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson took three weeks to make. They started with a ball of clay, and then he was born from Zeus and Hippolyta. Also, he's a Jewish golem. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, weird. Weird. Uh, oh, John. What a good... What a good... Man, is there a part in Diablo 3 where I fight Jewish golems? Uh, every second. Man, what a messed up game. Why, Diablo? <laughs> Bye, everybody. Hey, maybe they'll make a fucking Diablo fucking dynasty fucking shit. Fucking dynasty warriors. Shit. You're so mad. <laughs>